coast to coast, border to border, and around the world. It's time for The Bill Alexander Show. The Bill Alexander Show is a guest-driven program where the topics are diverse and entertaining. Laugh and learn while you listen to one of the best hours of online radio. Now, here's your host, Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill. And welcome to The Bill Alexander Show on this wonderful day. Glad you were able to join us. Now, if I mention a TV program and I mention the Waltons, name a few of the characters in your mind that you may remember, like uh, John Boy or John, or how about Olivia? Well, on the phone with me right now, I have Olivia Walton, Michael Leonard, on the program. Michael, how are you doing this evening? I couldn't be happier. I'm I'm here in... uh... Columbus and visiting my kids and grandkids, and I'm having a wonderful time. Um, you're in Columbus. You're about three hours east or west of where I'm sitting at right now. So we're in the right. same time zone, which is kind of nice for a change. Yes, we are. Yeah. So one thing, and I, I noticed this when I was a kid, because whenever I would see the credits for the Waltons, I saw the name Michael. Which is kind of unusual for a woman to have that name. Were you always Michael, or was that a stage name? No, that's my real name, and I'm the oldest of six girls. Wow. So, go figure. I can only think my parents had had a few martinis, and they thought it would be cool to name a girl Michael. I don't know. Well, one thing I would say, it, it, it stands out. Well, it kind of does, but when I was a kid, it was awful. You know, you want to be like all the other kids, and I got teased a lot. Not not, not, not really by other kids so much as the teachers who would say, what's your real name, little girl? Come on. Uh-huh. Your name isn't Michael. It's Michelle, isn't it? And I'd say, no, it's not. It's Michael. And I got a lot of hassle from the adults, not the children so much. They didn't care enough. That is, that is really interesting. And you come yeah. from a... A political family? You were born in Washington, D.C.? Well, not really political. My father actually worked for, um, well, he worked for the State Department, and then he worked as, um, he worked for the company, if you know what I mean. Okay. He actually worked for the CIA. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know all that, of course. It was all secret stuff, so I didn't know as a kid. We we lived in Austria for about three and a half years, and so I think he was working for the company at that time. And, and so, he was also in Secret Service during World War II. Oh, interesting. So what mm-hmm. made you interested in going into acting? Well, I wanted to be a dancer when I was a child. I think every little girl, you know, like little boys want to be a fireman and little girls right. want to be a ballerina. And I didn't just want to be a ballerina. I wanted to be a prima ballerina, which shows you somewhere in there. There was an actor's ego at work. But, um, you know, as as I got older, um, I won the Drama Cup in uh, boarding school in England. I went to England to a ballet, primarily a dance school, but they had a special drama group. And one of the teachers came up to me and said, you know, you're not really a very good dancer. So why don't you think about becoming a special drama student? So, so I did. And... Uh, and I loved it. You know, I loved working. We worked on the classics and all of that stuff in grade school in England. It's not something that was safe for college. So I fell in love with words and plays and theater and literature in general. 
So when did you start acting in the United States? Um, what was one of your first roles? Oh, God, I can't even remember in junior high. Okay. I, I can't remember. But I, I don't think I was. My very first role was in kindergarten in Hackettstown, New Jersey. I played a mechanical doll. <laughs> and, I, I, and I guess I played pretty well. And I, all I remember now is white light and they put rouge on my cheeks and stuff and I loved it. I just loved that white light because when uh, you're in that light, it's like everything else just fades away. Yeah. And there you are. You're in a magical space. So what was the first role that you did you got paid for? Let's ask it that way. Uh, paid for. Oh, off-Broadway. I okay. was in a play called um, um, Amphitryon. Uh, it was a Greek play comedy actually and because i was peter down that 17 year old wife and at the time i was actually pregnant with our first child and um i was quite i got a wonderful review saying miss learned is the most outrageously voluptuous young woman ever to grace a downtown stage <laughs> they didn't say a word about my acting i just thought that i memorized it because i thought it was a great review uh-huh. and i was about you know, I was about four months pregnant, I think, at the time. And it was a Greek tragedy, Greek uh, comedy, I'm sorry. And I don't remember. Uh, my, na- my character's name was Alcmena, and my, my husband of my children was, um, was the lead, and I can't remember what his name was. But, um, but it was a long time ago, off, off, off Broadway. And then so, uh, we did the Three Sisters off-Broadway and, you know, a lot of off-Broadway in New York. And then uh, San Francisco, I was at the American Conservatory Theater for several years. And then uh, that's where I really worked. Anyway, it's a long, I, I've lived a long life, so I have a lot of stories to tell. Well, that's great. I don't want to give I, you I, my resume. It's boring. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I could listen to you all night because I'm just fascinated. Um, so when you got hired for the Waltons. How was the program explained to you? Do you remember? No, really, I didn't. I, I I had come down to Los Angeles in my little VW bug because Peter and I were separated and uh, I knew I had to make some money um, because he's an actor. He was an actor and he didn't have any money. And um, there were three kids that had to be raised. So I trundled down in my little VW thinking I'll go down and meet casting people and learn the freeways. And I stayed in a cheap little motel for 12 bucks a night. And I had a raggedy end doll that somebody had given me. And I took her as a talisman, you know, a good luck charm, a bottle of bourbon. And uh, there I was. (laughs) And I went to see about this part for a farm woman in her 40s that Patricia Neal had played. And I thought, I'm not even close to Patricia Neal. I was Mm -hmm. 32 years old with a short blonde haircut. And um, there was a woman named Ethel Winant who was the, um, and Pam Polifroni, who was a casting person. And those two women were my angels because they fought Fred Silverman to the ground for me. Uh, they had seen my work at ACT in San Francisco, and he, he wasn't too keen on me. He didn't think I was right for it. And I really wasn't, not for what they apparently were looking for, someone with long red hair in her 40s. And um, I had short blonde hair, and I was 32. So um, these women fought for me, and I, I'm grateful to them and forever will be. So, and, and actually, uh, what year was the bug you were driving? Do you remember? Uh, I can't remember. I just remember <laughs> the color was blue. 
Well, I <laughs> and I bought I'm it in, from a friend. I'm impressed that you were able to drive a four-speed, really, especially in that oh, lot sure. in Los Angeles. Um, oh, I have sure. a '73 in my garage. That's why I bring it up because I still drive oh, a Beetle okay. occasionally. Yeah. And I also yeah, like bourbon too, so we're we're, we're kindred yeah. spirits here. <laughs> okay, I discovered bourbon as an adult. I, my parents were Scotch drinkers, and I just thought bourbon was like eating candy, just put yes, sugar and lemon juice, and mm, yum yum. <laughs> I don't. Um, I haven't had a drink for fifty years, so I don't. I don't drink it anymore. But I I loved it when I did. So when you were on the Waltons, um, so you were supposed to be forty as Olivia. Yeah. Yes, How, I was. So did they still want to make you the 40, or did they bring you back down closer to your age? I think I looked tired all the time anyway, so <laughs> uh, I looked older than I was. I've always looked older than I am, and now I'm trying to look younger with a little help from my friends. But, um, uh-huh. you know, uh, yeah, I've always been a sort of leading lady. I've never been an ingenue, not ever, even when I was playing, you know, ingenue roles. I was never really an ingenue. I don't know why. Um, but I, I guess because I was the oldest of six girls and I, I was a mother, a young mother, and I just sort of gave off that air. I was scared to death inside. I was, you know, 11 years old inside, but I had this demeanor that people thought was kind of together, which it wasn't, but it seemed that way. Do you feel that after you played Olivia Walton for nine years, you were typecast? Well, certainly in nurturing, I, I was always cast as a nun or a nurse or in, somehow a nurturing um, person. And I was thrilled when I finally got a role, and now I suddenly can't think what the, what the show was, but where I got to play a, a grandmother, uh, an abusive grandmother. It was kind of, it's much more fun to play those mean characters. You get to right. kind of... You get to kind of be mean and get paid for it, and, not, and you're not supposed to do that in real life. So it's kind of fun to let that dark side out every now and then. So when you when you were doing it, and and the big thing right now is the Waltons turned fifty this year, correct? I think so. Yeah, yeah. September fourteenth, nineteen seventy-two. It went on. <laughs> That's so, right. Absolutely right. Yeah. And I guess somebody has done a reboot of the program. Have you? been asked to be on the new version of the Waltons or have they not contacted No, I have I have not. And I saw the show. I thought it was really I thought the woman playing Olivia was wonderful. I can't think of her name right now because I'm jet lagged, but she was lovely. And um I liked the show. I didn't think it had quite the um bite that our show had in the early earlier five first five years. It, you know, people think of it all as huggy kissy and everybody nicey nicey, but there was a bite Oh, yes. to it in the early years of the Waltons. And it wasn't all huggy-kissy-nicey-nicey. Olivia was very narrow-minded in many ways, you know, firm in her religion and what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong and there's no in-between. Grandma even more so. And Will kind of played a, you know, Grandpa liked to tipple a little on the bottle. And, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't such perfect people that they remember us as, you know, that... Uh, people who haven't watched the show seem to think of the show as this sugary sweet show. It had some spice, don't you agree? Oh, I agree with you totally. And, yeah, yeah. And when I was thinking about it earlier, you you actually, even though every time you talk to a guy, they think the guys control it. You were the one in charge of everything, because you let John think 
who was played by Ralph Waite, that's what he wanted to do because you were directing him in certain directions on what he could do and what he couldn't do when he thought they were his own ideas. You know, I never really thought of that, but most most of us, um, I mean, I wasn't a, a, an adult in the 30s. I was a kid, but, um, you know, most of us women before 1990, we know how to be manipulative. Yeah. We, we thought we had to be. <laughs> well, and that's what's really interesting in this is because you play a very strong woman who is in a very what we would consider in the 1930s a very typical role of being a mother, a homemaker, and all this stuff. But yet you really were the one that was rolling the family, even with the kids, because you were directing them on what they could do and what they could not do. And I've watched the program. My wife and I, um, we still watch it this day, especially whenever we have had one of those days or one of those weeks. It's so nice to go back into that, as I call it, the rocking chair effect, because we know what we're going to get. And the storylines are very pertinent to today's situations. You know, that brings a smile to my face. It really does, because um, I've become friends with fans that were just fans that wrote to me Mm -hmm. and I would write back back in the day. And we've become close friends. I have Canadian friends and friends in this country that, that just have become, you know, they're my buddies. Um, And, and the show, the show touched people's hearts. That's what I think Earl, it was, he had to walk such a fine line to keep it from being smarmy. And also, You know, there were moments of great poignancy, I think, if I look back. And if I, I try to be uh, distance myself if I watch the show because I just want to learn. You know, right. I used to watch it with my, my son, Lucas, and uh, I wanted to, for me, it was technical. It was like, oh, that was a phony moment. And, oh, what a horrible close-up. I'll never let them do that again or whatever. But, um, or I didn't know they were going to use that take. Um, it was very technical when I watched it uh, back in the day. Uh, now I get a kick out of it. It's just like revisiting an old friend. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think, because the program started in 1972, and the United States was going through so much turmoil, politically, uh, society, everything else, do you feel that the program was on at the right time in American culture because it was able to take people back? And I hate to use the term, but I will, but a more simpler time? Well, I think you're absolutely accurate. I, I, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I think you're right. I think it did come just at the right time because we've been through the 60s, which were, you know, really shook things up for everybody in, in, in sometimes a negative way and sometimes very positively. But the 70s came along and I think this show comforted people. They, uh, I know I went to Bangladesh once, for, you know, to save the children and I, I never thought a soul in Bangladesh would even know this show, let alone relate to it. And that's when I suddenly learned that because it was about family, it was everybody can relate to it in mm-hmm. any country, in any language. And that kind of really makes me feel humbly proud, if that makes any sense. And I, and I forgot about this, it popped in my head when I mentioned about your name being Michael, that in the first few seasons on the TV program, they listed you as Miss Michael Lerner right. because right. people were confused because they didn't know who Michael Lerner was. That's right. That's right. 
And uh, I guess it seemed a little grandiose, but truly it was they were afraid people would think it was a mistake because right. they flashed a picture of me with Cammy, and they thought if they just had Michael Learned, people would, and they probably would have because I still get people saying, is your name really Michael? That's a boy's mm-hmm. name, even now. So, yeah. That, and I thought inter- they were right to do that. that that's interesting because I don't think they would have ever done that with Carol O'Connor, who was on All in the Family because Carol is a girl's name. Or John Wayne, who was Marion, for all for goodness sake. So that's interesting. That's a good point. But of course, John Wayne, we didn't know him as Marion, except right. in the, you know, but um, later on. Carol O'Connor, you're absolutely right. And yet I never, ever thought of it as a woman's name with him. Huh. That, yeah, and again, I, never... I, I didn't think of it until right now, to be honest with you, because I think right. that's interesting I, that we have different standards. Yeah, I guess you're absolutely right. And his uh, he, his name was not spelled like Carol Burnett's. It was not spelled C A R O L, was it? It was. I don't believe it was so. Different, I think it had an E at the end of it, or maybe two L's. I'm not sure, but I think it was different. I I'm not I'm not positive, but um, but my I, they didn't put an E on the end of it or an A, calling me Michaela or or any of it. They just took. I said, "Is this okay?" And they said, "We're going to put a miss in front of it." And I said, "Fine, it's okay with me." Now, when you were on the show, you worked with a lot of people that went on to have bigger careers after the Waltons. One, for example, by the name of John Ritter, who played a minister on the program. That's right. Which was was another one. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. You you also had Ron Howard, who was on there. You had Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Donner, which most people remember him from Mork and Mindy. Uh, Wilford right. Brimley. Uh, let's see, who else do I have on my list here? Um, Sissy Spacek, like you said, and Michael O'Keefe, and Richard Mazur, which most people, yeah. I don't think they know who he is now unless they see him in a part. So again, right. you had a lot of people that got their feet wet in the field of acting and TV programming when uh, they guest starred on The Waltons. Well, maybe not in the field of acting, but certainly, you know, getting a break uh, yeah. in Hollywood, I would say, yeah, I think you're absolutely, including myself, including myself. I was a theater actress. I, I Nobody that ever, you know, I had done very little television in this country, a few kind of PBS things connected with theater. Um, okay. But I'd not done any real television in this country. I had in Canada, but not here. And, um, you know, it's sort of... It was my big break, really, and I'm eternally grateful for it. So, do you have you done stage acting after the Waltons? Yes, um, I'm going off to Canada, actually, this summer to do on Golden Pond. I was doing it with uh, Hal Linden, but he he got another um, something else that he had to do, unfortunately. And uh, I'm doing it with a very good Canadian actor named Walter Borden who's won the Canadian, the essential, the, uh, it's like the um, Canadian Tony Award. I mean, okay. He's a wonderful actor, so he'll be very good in his part. So yeah. which would you rather do? Would you rather do stage acting or would you rather do TV and or movies? I prefer the theater. That's my first love always okay. because I love, I love most of the plays. You know, television is visual, so the, the writing is good. I, I'm not knocking television writing. There are brilliant television writers, but um, but basically, it is a visual 
thing, whereas theater is language, and that that is something uh, I've always been an avid reader. I, as a kid, I was would read with the flashlight at night after I was supposed to be asleep, and I loved reading. And so, to me, theater is a it's about the words, it's about the language, it's, it's, it, it enlivens me, if you will. So after the Waltons, you had another TV series that unfortunately did not last very long called Nurse. Yeah, which, it was my fault. <laughs> why is it your fault? Because you also, you it won, a, um, you won a, uh, an Emmy for it. I did. And what, the actual thing, it was totally my fault. I, uh, I was unhappy with some of the scripts that were coming to New York because it, it was supposed to be a gritty drama in a New York hospital like you know Bellevue that Mel- okay. Metropolitan Hospital where and we were getting scripts where she goes home and soaks in her hot tub this nurse this head yes. nurse or she uh, you know she she's putting aside her little satin slippers with the pom-poms on them you know which wasn't New York wasn't gritty wasn't the life of a middle-aged woman who's a head nurse in a hospital for poor people if you will And um, so, you know, Robert Reed and I were always kind of saying, you know, wait a second, pull back here. This is not a soap opera. This is not supposedly a soap opera anyway. This is supposed to be, you know, an hour drama, real life gritty story. And so we were constantly uh, revising scripts or, you know, talking to writers at the New York. And then finally, I had to I had to walk off the set. Because I said, you've got to get some New York writers. What are we doing with L.A. writers? Good writers, but L.A. writers writing for Los Angeles. When we're here in New York shooting a gritty thing, we need New York writers who understand that come home at night and lock 14 locks on your door. (laughs) Right. No matter where you're living in New York. And um, so anyway, that was a constant battle. And um, I, I'm not. Uh, I, I don't know if I could have handled it any better than I did. I probably could have gotten on a plane and flown to L.A., which would have assuaged an ego, maybe a little better. Um, but it was hard because I had to show up for work, you know. Right. But finally, the producer himself said to me, "Michael, you need to walk off the set if you want to get New York writers." So, for the first and only time in my life, that's what I did. And then he did went you- hungry. Robert Albany left town. And I'm sort of stuck, you know, right. with CBS pushed off at me, so they canceled the show. And it's too bad because it was doing well in the ratings. What's interesting, and earlier today I had the opportunity to watch the pilot that was... Oh, really? A, oh, yes, nice. a two-hour movie. And even the beginning of that was very awkward because it shows you, I guess you're playing cards with a group of ladies at a country club. Your husband and your son are playing tennis. He has a heart attack. Everybody runs to them, and then they take a shot of you with this concerned look on your face, and you don't move for like three seconds. And then you run to him, and then you start performing CPR. And I'm going, wait a minute. If she's a nurse, (laughs) she would be there quicker. Well, and you're then, right. That's the kind of thing I was struggling with. <laughs> and the other thing is that I thought was interesting. You were out of nursing for years. And what ended uh-huh. up happening, you go take a job 
and they said, okay, we can't, we don't, we don't have part-time work, but we can put you in this full-time work as a head nurse. And I'm thinking, yeah. she hasn't worked in years. She hasn't had schooling, but you're going to go through three classes to be able to do it. And then all of a sudden, you're the head nurse on the floor. <laughs> so I'm going. You're right. But, you know, it's interesting. I never questioned some of that. And I should have, I guess. But um, we had a nurse on the set at all times. Okay. And he never raised a peep about that. But you're absolutely right. Well, I, I haven't seen the pilot in however many, 40 years or whenever the last, when it was on. It's but, on YouTube. Um, I'll send you the link. Now you're making you can me embarrassed. <laughs> well, someone reached out to me last week or a couple weeks ago when they found out I was going to talk to you. And I she made a comment that she loved that program so much that she went into nursing because of you. Oh, my God. And, and I'm going, I, I forgot about it. So I had to look it up. But, yeah, it, it, it it's very interesting. Um and and Robert Reed coming off the Brady Bunch, who was an architect who actually walked off his set of the Brady Bunch because he didn't like what was happening the last season. Now you mm-hmm. do the same thing in this program, and in both situations they can the shows. Well, you know it, it's it's an awkward thing. You know you have absolutely no power when you start out in in uh, in Hollywood. But you do get a little bit when you when you've made a name for yourself and you have a following, um, you get a little bit of power. And and I was used to the Waltons where Earl Hamner, God bless his soul, who was the you know head writer and creator of the show. He was right. John Boy, actually grown up, and um, he would let us sit in on script readings and we he would listen to us ranting around. Um, poor guy, he said sometimes he wanted to go home and kill himself or kill all of us. But he did um, at times if we were if we presented ourselves in the correct way rather than you know uh, right. you know he listened to us and uh, there were times when a writer was writing for the show who wasn't that familiar with it so he would have a character do something that was totally out of character and I would say you know uh, I don't think Olivia would do this even though it's kind of fun sometimes when people act out of character that that happens in life you know where. Some, somebody does something totally unexpected and the family goes, God, I didn't know he or she had that in him or her. But, right. um, so for in, in general, um, it was collaborative, the Waltons, in many ways. And uh, that, that, uh, unfortunately, Earl had to drink over it, I think. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> because we weren't always, it was rushed. We'd have a reading at lunch and then we had to be back on the set. So a lot of the times we would give our notes in a very rushed way, and uh, poor Earl would, you know, want to kill all of us, and I don't blame him. But um, but sometimes our, our our reactions were good ones. You can get locked into thinking your character wouldn't do something out of character, though. You have to be careful there as an actor. So, how many episodes would you shoot in a season on the Walt? Twenty-two. Twenty-two. Wow. That, that's I mean... a lot. Compared to today, that's actually shooting two seasons in one year. Yes, certainly is. And um, it was a long, they were long, hard days sometimes and boring. That's the worst part of my character was there were days when all I did really was sit at the dinner table and pour coffee or say, pass the salt, please, or time for bed, kids. That's the hardest thing for an actor, for me anyway. I I like to be... 
moving, <laughs> even in life. I, I, sitting around is not my cup of tea. And I, I'm getting better at it as I'm old, because I'm old. But um, it's, you know, I've always been an Aries, double Aries, and I'm used to moving. And so, um, so that would be that. Those were the hardest things about that. Otherwise, it was a dream. So, did you like the later? seasons of the Waltons because you got to do more then because you were actually working outside of the home. Yeah, I appreciated that they really made an effort. And when the new producers and Claire Peterson just passed away and she was a very close, lovely friend and uh, it breaks my heart. She was 92, but she slipped and fell and I'm tearing up as I tell you. Um, she and her husband came in later into the show after we'd been on for a while. It wasn't easy for them, but they were, they were so great with us as actors and they were so open to letting us communicate our feelings about things with them. And they became very dear friends. He passed away a few years ago and she just died this year. So. I'm really sad. I miss her terribly. And, uh, you know, to come in and write for a show that's already been established the way the Waltons was. Right. And and us, who thought we knew everything. And um, they were just gracious, marvelous, wonderful writers and wonderful people. That's 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 interesting because. okay, so I have a question for you, and I did not realize this. So. Earlier in the 1960s, there was a movie called Spencer's Mountain, Mountain which, yeah. which was that. So Maureen O'Hara actually played your part, correct? Yes, that's correct. Or, yeah, or I played hers, Her. however you want to say it. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting yeah. because I can't imagine Maureen O'Hara playing that. Did you have to, did they want you to take any of the characteristics of of uh, her, of uh, her, I just lost her name, who was in the Christmas one. Um, did, Patricia did, Neal. Patricia Neal. Did you have to take, did they want you to take, embody some of them, or they just said, make your own character? Just do what you can do. What you're saying is what they did, really. Basically, okay. they didn't expect me to try to imitate Patricia Neal. They, they wanted me to bring my own sense of, but they wanted the character to be strong. Yeah. Loving but strong. Okay. And uh, I tried to do that, I, you know. And sometimes I had to fight the writers, you know, and say, "Come on, she's too." Didn't didn't uh, didn't your mother ever scold the wrong child, or make a mistake, <laughs> or yeah. overpunish for some minor thing, or lose her temper at the dinner table because somebody's flipping mashed potatoes? You know, yeah. um, God knows I'm a mother of three boys. I know I wasn't a perfect mom. Um, and, and I adored my children and they know they were adored, but nonetheless, I wasn't, I, I went on strike once in my own life. And I told my kids, I'm, I'm on strike. I come home exhausted. I'm carrying the groceries home. I'm going to cook you dinner. Your the house is a mess. You haven't picked up anything and I'm on strike. Fix your own dinner. <laughs> and, um, my little son said, can we can we say good morning to you? And I said, well, yes, you can say good morning, but you have to cook your own dinner. And then I got up and cooked them dinner. But um, but my point is, I, I then said to Earl, why don't you have Olivia go on strike? So he used it. So what yeah. I'm trying to say is the writers were open to real-life suggestions from, from all of us, really. So speaking of not being the perfect mother, 
we probably should talk about the new thing that you're working on right now uh, <laughs> called Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story um, right. that you were added to the cast. What character are you playing in that? I'm playing his grandmother. <laughs> Taught him everything he knows. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it, so, it's a tough, it, it was a tough role because um, in a way she's, she's totally in denial this woman um, of anything that he's doing. I mean, how can you not know that somebody's chopping up body parts in your basement? How can you not right. know that? So I have a line like, what's that smell? And I think it's going to get a laugh, but it wasn't written intended to get a laugh. I don't think so. Right. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But the truth is for me, I had to just play that I'm a, you know, my grandson lives with me. He's 27 years old, and he wants to be a chef. So he's living with us while he's doing his internship. And, oh, it's it's a joy to have him. But I thought, he's the nicest, most wonderful, uh-huh. big-hearted guy. And I'm thinking, what if I suddenly discovered that when I wasn't looking, he was out there killing people? You know? Right. I mean, what would that be like in real life? And... um the only thing I can think of is that this woman must have been in complete denial. You know, you just don't want to know. So did you audition to the role or did they come looking for you? I did audition for it. And I haven't okay. had to audition for years. But for Ryan Murphy, you do whatever you need to do. Okay. And uh, they came in and they did shot a little uh, a little video. And I think what I, what got me the part was, at one point, they had to—I didn't know this—but they had to do a full body thing, mm-hmm. and I and I sort of hiked up my boobs and said, "If I'd known you were going to do this, I would have worn a bra." And apparently, <laughs> my manager left it in, and uh, it cracked them all up. And I'm sure that's the only reason I got the part. <laughs> so, have they given a date for when Netflix is going to sh- start showing this? Well, the last I've heard was September, sometime in September. Okay. But uh, you know, it's not. It's not. Uh, and the title is not even going to be Monster. They, I don't know what. But they say that was just a quote working title. Okay. So, um, but it was, you know, it was really wonderful to be working and uh, to be doing. A, I respect Ryan Murphy very much, and uh, you know, the, the the shows that he's done. A lot of my friends, he's made stars out of kids that I knew in New York who were understudying, you know, and now they're Sarah Paulson, for instance, who's a oh, wonderful, really? she did. Yeah. She was understudying when I did the best man in New York and just a lovely, lovely woman and a lovely actress. And he, he, nobody had ever heard of her until he used her in Hollywood and, and the nurse ratchet. So, you know, he's, he's willing to take a chance on people. And I love that in him. So do you have, um, do you have anything else that you're working on right now, or are you just waiting for the next part? I'm struggling with lines for On Golden Pond. Okay. I'm going to do it this summer in Canada. And that's it. Yeah, no, okay. nothing else. Um, you know, you wait for the phone to ring. And in the meantime, I'm, I have a happy life. So it's not like I'm one of these people who has to act to live. Mm-hmm. I live and then I act, if that makes any sense. You know, so I'm grateful for that. I'm married to a beautiful guy and, I have my grandkids and my kids and my friends and uh, not enough friends. They're all dying off. And that's very sad. This has been a lost year for me for two of my very good friends. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, if, it happens when you get old. So and if you wonder I, who's going to be next. 
a young actor comes up to you, what advice would you give them? Show up. Okay. Just show up. That's what I did. I went to auditions. I, I drove my car down to L.A. I was scared to death and stayed in that little motel. <laughs> um, showed up. I just kept showing up. And, and there will be, a, you know, a lot of it is luck. There are a lot of very good actors who um, auditioned for the role. But I had these two angels who went to bat for me. Mm-hmm. And that was my luck. Um, so, you know, just keep showing up and, and hope that you'll be one of the lucky ones. And, and, and work. You know, I trained. I went to acting school and I went to dance and I trained vocally and in many ways. So it's not like I was just somebody sitting in a soda fountain like Lana Turner. Right. Um, and the reason I ask is because my son just graduated this past weekend with his bachelor in musical theater. Oh, and good for him. He, he's been auditioning. Um, he also graduated top of his class, but dad doesn't want to brag. Uh, <laughs> but, Congratulations. Thank you. But he's been doing a lot of roles, and um, he's actually doing he's been offered quite a few, but he's been doing community theater because he's working with friends this summer before he starts looking for a real paid gig. And he's the lead in Oliver and Beauty and the Beast, which he loves musical theater. And that's where he wants, that's where he wants to be. So that's why I asked that question to everybody that's worked in the industry. What do you recommend to a young performer? And uh, he'll be listening to this. So he'll take your advice. He's absolutely doing everything he should be doing. He's training, he's working, he's showing up, he's auditioning, he's doing all the things he's got to do, and I hope the angel of luck is on his shoulder. It sounds like it is, if he's already doing leads like that. That's, oh, those yeah, are yeah, yeah. Huge leads, yeah. So he's, he's on his way. Yeah. The kid he's not has already voice, there. But, the kid has a voice yeah. that uh, is just amazing. Didn't oh, get it from me. So proud of him. And he also has the looks, too, and he didn't get those. That's why I do radio. I don't... <laughs> I have a face do you think? Do you uh, think? I I did a long time ago. I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I I'll I'll tell this very embarrassing story right now. I was supposed to audition for the one show that he was in. I was supposed to audition for Beauty and the Beast, and I cowered out because I haven't done a singing audition in thirty five years, and I was terrified to do it. And I had to back out. I backed out at the last minute because I didn't have the guts to do it. Well, next time, don't back out, is all I can say. But well, you know, the thing is this. Nerves for actors can sometimes work in our favor, but for mm-hmm. singing, I don't know how you do it when you're nervous. I just don't know how you can sing when you're nervous. So I understand that. Yeah. I understand why you did. You know, it's, so, it's hard. Well, and the it's other hard. thing is, it's his show, and actually my young daughter is also in it. She's one of the ensemble, and she's oh. in it. And I and I said, this is their show, this isn't my show, and I don't need everybody to start talking about me when they're the ones in it, because Dad hasn't been oh, in so okay. long. And so I, I, I stepped aside, and I said, whenever uh, he moves on, I'll do community theater, and then we'll go from there. But, uh, yeah. Michael, I've, thank I've you very wonderful. much. Michael, thank Community you very much. This has, been, yeah. this has been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I wish you luck on Golden Pond. Is it only thank being you, performed though. in Canada, or is it going anywhere else? So far, it's just going to be at the Petrolia Theater in, okay. in uh, Petrolia, Ontario. Yeah, okay. It's a wonderful theater. I've worked with these guys before. I love them. They, they're from Stratford, so they know their way around. And uh, I love them. The two Davids, we call them. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> so, but Michael, thank you very much. I appreciate it. This has been my pleasure to be able to talk to you. Um, growing up wa here, watching Bill. the Waltons, um, one of those safety programs that you still watch. That I guess MeTV is running it um, in the morning now, so it's a great program to watch at noon. And um, again, still being a part of the America America um, persona. Um, with a character oh, that you did that. 50 years ago, which is amazing to me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. This has been fun talking to you. I really appreciate, appreciate it, and you have a great night. Thank you. You too. And good luck for your son. Thank and you very you. much. No, thank you, you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Hey, a big thank you goes out to Michael Leonard for joining me today. What a pleasure that was to talk about the Waltons, which the Waltons will be celebrating its 50th anniversary this coming September. Not only that, Michael Leonard is going to be in a program that starts airing on Netflix this September, dealing with the life of Jeffrey Dahmer, and Michael will be playing his grandmother. That should be interesting to watch. But folks, thank you very much for joining me. I greatly appreciate it. And thank you again for being a part of the program. Oh, one more thing before I go. Next week, I'll be talking to another mother. I'll be talking to Eileen Graff. Who's that, you may ask? She played the mother on Mr. Belvedere. Well, guys, thank you very much. We'll talk to you next time here on The Bill Alexander Show. Thank you for listening to The Bill Alexander Show. The Bill Alexander Show is a million-dollar baby production. For more information, go to thebillalexandershow.com.